Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. It's good to be with you this morning. Good morning. How are you all doing? Good, good. You're not going to be after this is over. I'm just telling you that right now. I've been sitting with this thing for a few weeks and... um, you ever find yourself in a place where some of the things that Jesus says, I just don't know what he's talking about, and you go, Jesus, you know, kind of thing, and I'll figure it out as we go along. And that's, I, I, I don't mean that facetiously. There are generally things that Jesus says that I'm just not at a place yet where I can understand what he's talking about. I hear the words, you know, but I don't quite get what it means for me. Uh, this is not one of those. This is one of those where I know exactly what he's saying, and I just don't like it. Uh, And I'm pretty sure that he doesn't understand the complexities of the life that I have to live, and that if he did, he wouldn't be saying the things that he's saying. Um, And because, as you know, in this sermon that we've been working through here, we have been invited to consider, just to imagine, what the kingdom might look like when it comes on earth where a woman can walk into a room and not one single person objectifies her and reduces her to an object. Can you imagine a world like that? Where you live in a community and you never have to worry about people treating you with contempt or dismissing you because of what you think differently than they do. Not a single person believes you are outside of the realm of the possible grace of God. Can you imagine a world like that where when people say, I will, they actually do? Wow. Wow. That's what we're after when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's what we're after. But Jesus is not content that this be the outcome. What he's really after is this assertive, I will even use the language of aggressive power of love to change the world, to save the world. And it hit me this week as I was praying into this that I don't think I trust love as much as God does. Let me say that again. I don't think I trust love as much as God does. And to that degree, I'm not going to be helpful in his kingdom coming. So this has been a week of repentance for me. Um, and uh, I, 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 I'm, I know what I'm saying. I'm not altogether sure I know what I'm talking about. Is everybody okay with that? Um, because Jesus is calling us to a radicalized understanding of how the world is going to be saved. And it's not what you think. Uh, I think you've probably already concluded with me that the world is in too big a mess to be saved by big solutions. It's not a one-size-fits-all for the mess we're in. This is going to take a viral infection 
of love. One person, one problem at a time. You see what I mean about not quite trusting love. I think if I get my guy elected, I think if we get the right people in place, I think if we get the right this, that, and the other in place. No, friends, we've tried all of that. None of it works. Whenever are we who are the disciples of Jesus going to start to take him seriously enough to say, we need a Savior? Not to save us, but to use us to save them. That's what this is about. So, having said all that, if you want to hang in, uh, it'll be over in about 25 minutes. You have heard it said, verse 38, Matthew chapter 5, you have heard it said, eye for eye, truth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. You see what I mean? How can he possibly know the kinds of life that I have to live? Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand them over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in the heavens because he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Aren't even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is he serious? Yeah, because Jesus knows this is the only way to reverse the deadly cycle of just enough revenge that is taking us down. I mean, can't you feel a circle in the drain? So here's Jesus' strategy. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a a tooth for a tooth. This um, is not intended as prescription. It's intended as protection. If, if somebody, you're in a fight and somebody knocks your tooth out, you only get to knock one tooth out of theirs. It's intended to be a limitation because Jesus knows something about the nature of revenge. We each keep score differently. You can't be married for more than 15 minutes before you realize, oh, somebody else is keeping score in a different way than I'm keeping score here, right? You can't be with a roommate. You can't be with a friend before you realize what it cost me to give you what you wanted this time is way more, way more than what it cost you to give me what I wanted last time. So as far as I can tell, I've still got a little bit in the bank here of my relationship with you. You owe me, and I'm going to keep that score. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Jesus is trying to say to us, this guy's, have you, have you finally come to, this isn't going to work. Just limiting revenge to an acceptable level of mutual violence 
isn't actually going to get you the kingdom you say you want that the Father designed you for. So what's the strategy? Well, how about this? Don't resist an evil person. Now, I I need to say this, and, and, and you may not land with me in quite the same place here, but Jesus is basically saying, don't render evil for evil. There are people who are assigned by God to resist evil persons. Police, military, government under the authority of God to enable that. By the way, we don't even like that authority very much. So I'm not sure that this applies universally to everybody everywhere. And frankly, it would be easier for me to believe that Jesus is just laying down a blanket than it is to believe that, no, 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 don't worry about the government, don't worry about other people, don't worry about the police or the military or any of those other You become the kind of person who does not return evil for evil. Wouldn't it be nice if this were universal and we could hide behind the rock of the impossibility of this, but Jesus will not let us off the hook. I want you to be salt and light. Remember where we started. I want your righteousness to exceed that of the Pharisees. Remember where he's going here. You want to pray your kingdom come? Fine. This is what it looks like. Don't return evil for evil. Paul is going to go down the line and say down, down, down. Don't even, if you are, if you are, well, I'll get into that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. So he says, don't return. In other words, don't harm the one who harms you. Don't retaliate. How many have retaliation built into the muscle memory of your soul? Just me? We do, don't we? This is why he says, when somebody slaps you on the left cheek, which is not, by the way, primarily about physical assault, it's about an insult. It's about a public shaming. You can't slap somebody on the left cheek without using either the left hand, which is the hand used for private business, or the back of your right hand, which is not about assault, it's about insult. And Jesus is saying, I want the muscle memory of your soul to be so shaped by your identity as my sons and daughters that within the range of options available to you when you are shamed and insulted is to absorb the pain that led to the insult and turn the other cheek in that moment. That's going to take a week or two to become capable of automatically doing this. But friends, had Jesus not done that for us, in the words of the cross, Father, forgive them. He didn't have to work that up. That flowed out of him naturally. And that's what he wants for us to. Turn the other cheek. If anyone sues you, for your shirt, give them your cloak also. This is, this is not fair, Jesus. The law protects me from having to give my last article of clothing to somebody who sues me. 
If a Roman soldier compels you under force of law, if a police officer abuses his authority or her authority and forces you in this particular instance to go a first mile, they had the right to do that. Part of it was humiliation. To require the citizens of the subjected country to serve the Roman soldier and just arbitrarily, you carry your, my pack a mile. Who's in charge the first mile? Imperial Rome. Who's in charge the second mile? The kingdom of God. You want the kingdom to come? Forget fair. That's not going to get the kingdom. See, we think of justice as retributive. Pay those dirty dogs back. God thinks of justice as restorative. I want you to become the kinds of people I created you to be in the first place. This is what we're praying when we pray that the kingdom would come. How many are starting to clue in that Jesus is about saving the world, not just you? And that this is the only way it's going to happen. He didn't come to us so we can assert our rights. He came to serve us so that we would know how to lay down our rights. Give to the one who asks and don't turn away. Is Jesus making this a new law every time somebody asks you for something? You got to give it to No, he's not. It's not what he's doing. He's inviting us into a relationship within which these kinds of radical responses are possible and natural and easy because I'm not worried about whether I have enough. Generosity isn't about how much you give, it's about how much you have left after you've given. That's hard for us because I always know how people ought to be generous with their stuff. I found myself starting to work up a little bit of righteous indignation with the 10-minute space flight this week. And I was thinking, do you know how much good could be done with all of that money? And I heard the whisper of the Spirit, well, what are you doing with your money? That's really annoying. I'm good at knowing what you all ought to do with your stuff. I'm not so good at doing what I know I ought to do with my stuff. Oh, wait, it's not my stuff. <laughs> Be over in about 20 minutes. Hang in there. Do you, but do you see what he's saying to us here? As long as you regard it as yours, as long as you regard your reputation as yours, as long as you regard your safety as yours, sure, by all means, protect it and as well as as best you can. But if you pray that the kingdom come, it's not your stuff. It's not your reputation. It's not your life. It's not your money. So you have within the range of options available to you responses that are counter cultural. How many know the culture needs to be saved? It's not going to be saved by more of the same. It's going to be saved by somebody who says, I've got a better idea. I've got a better idea. And Jesus has a better idea. This assertive generosity in a culture of grab and get, this outrageous hospitality that we're invited to. Not a new law. Again, please don't misunderstand what I think Jesus is saying here. 
He's not giving us a checkbox by which if we do them, the kingdom will come. He's inviting us into a, an imagination. I want this, this power of a, of a greater attraction is pulling us out of our self-centered, self-preserved, self, our insecure uh, way of being into a way of freedom. A way of freedom. And then he starts to get really serious. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Well, here's Jesus's, you can see the twinkle in his eye because it doesn't say that. It says love your neighbor. But guess who added and hate your enemy on the back side of that? Y'all? We did. We did. So much so that he can say this with a twinkle in his eye and we, we start to nod sheepishly. Oh, crap. Yeah, that's what we hope it says. Mm-mm. I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. By the way, can I just point out that for Jesus and for the audience that receives this in the first place, Matthew's audience, this is not hypothetical. This isn't about persecution that involves masks on a Sunday morning. Grow up. This is about people being ripped apart families because you have proven yourself an unworthy parent and therefore your children are now wards of the state. This is about execution in public. Come on. And Jesus, oh, by the way, he didn't die so that we wouldn't have to. He died so that we would know how to. Because he promised us what? In the world, you're going to have trouble. Buckle up. And how do you handle it? How do we respond to this? He says, I want you to pray for those who persecute you. Why? Well, you did hear the voice from the heavens, right? The voice that said, you are my beautiful and beloved and chosen and precious sons and daughters. You heard that voice, yes? You got it tattooed on the inside of your wrist. Beloved. Yes, I am. Okay. Time to join the family business. Out of your belovedness, out of the security that that belovedness enables in you, I want you to become so solid in a world that is fragmented and disintegrating. I want you to be so solid that you remind people of your Father who is in the heavens. Guess how many of you would be here if he didn't love his enemies? Paul's clear. Is he not? He died for us peradventure. Somebody would die for a good man, but not God. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us.
man, I want the benefit of that, yes? I'm not sure I want the responsibility that entails the backside of that benefit. But that's what he's after. That's what he's after. That's why when we reduce the gospel to getting to heaven when we die, we miss the whole point. And he invites us into this imitation of our Father. You are no more like your Father than when you give generously. You are no more like your Father than when you forgive an unreasonable... You are no more like your Father than when you treat your enemies with kindness and dignity and respect out of who you are, not necessarily about who they are. By the way, you do know your enemies are your enemies because they're as weak and insecure and, and afraid as you are, right? How in the world do you think we're going to push back about the insecurity-driven fears of our culture than to create a safe and loving space within which people can be insecure and then realize they don't need to be anymore? Wouldn't it be nice if this were just a big program? Mm -mm. It's you and me. It's you and me. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Even the tax collectors do that. If you only are hospitable to your own people, to the us's as opposed to the them's, Even the pagans do that. Be perfect. Be complete in your showing of love in the same way that your father is. Please notice again, this is shaped by relationship. This is requiring uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Remember that spirit that came and rested on Jesus in Matthew chapter 3? That same spirit dwelling in you is the only way we're going to get here. This is not, like I said, when I first started this back in the day, this is not a public works project. This is not cognitive behavioral therapy. This is not, I've got to tweak and adjust a few things. It's like, oh, I need a radical transformation because I can't do any of this. I'm not even sure I want to. I want people to treat me like this. I just don't know if I want to Treat them like this. Anybody starting to realize why we're in the mess we're in? And how genius Jesus is to get us out of it. Because he came to us in the middle of our mess and he took us by the hand and said, follow me. Not en masse, although that's not a bad idea. Just don't projectize this. This isn't about a committee or an initiative with a budget. That's, that's, the, that's the embarrassing thing about the Christian message, message per se. Is anybody can do it. Poor in heart, pure in heart rather, those who grieve, those who mourn, those who are starving for justice, they can do this. The subversive nature of the kingdom of God 
is the only way the world is going to be saved. He invites us into this restorative justice. The, 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 something much stronger, much more powerful than revenge or even retributive justice is needed. We need the nuclear warhead of love. And God trusts it. He has no other plan. This is the thing that's really frustrating to me. Every once in a while, I, 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 in my conversations with people or even with myself, it's like, how do I get so-and-so to do X, Y, or Z? It'll be for their own good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My life would be much better if so-and-so would just straighten up and fly. How do I get them to do this? I had a conversation with somebody this past week and along these lines. How do I make, how do I make? How does God make? God ever made you do anything that you didn't want finally to do, even if with grit teeth submitting? And he could, by the way. He actually could make you do the right thing every single time and never does. Why? He's trusting love. He knows that would just be a temporary check-the-box, quick fix, He wants to transform us to the very center of our being so that the law is printed on our hearts and naturally informs our treatment of one another without our even thinking about it. We just naturally do it the way he forgave us, hanging naked and abused, broken on the cross. He invites us into this because this is the only way the world is going to be saved. And we say, oh God, this just is not fair. You should bless the good people and curse the bad people without realizing that if the kingdom of God is not fair, All of us are in trouble. There is how many righteous? None. Righteous, none. And and, and we have a Christian version of this. I've paid my tithes. I've, I've been a good kid. I've done the right thing. You ought to bless me. I ought to have a life that's relatively wrinkle-free. I ought to have, in fact, when bad things happen or good things don't happen, my response is, Why me? I've paid them my dues. I've done the right thing. Friends, the kingdom of God is not fair. It's gracious. It's not fair to the good people, and it's not fair to the bad people. God is God to everybody, always and forever. This is so frustrating. Because I I want that three-meter-long stick that wax people's fingers when they get out of line. They're my sixth grade teacher. For other people, you understand, because there are folks that, that need that. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. I'm being a little silly here, but I hope you're hearing my heart, but more, I hope you're hearing Jesus' heart. hope you're hearing his heart. Because friends... We're circling the drain. 
And the Holy Spirit is so excited to see the wheels come off of all and every other strategy of the kingdom's coming than his. He trusts love. Not quid pro quo. Not, I'll be good to you so you're good to me. Not, you did me wrong, watch your back. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.